Chapter Nine of Ruth. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Cynthia Lyons. Ruth by Elizabeth Cleghorn Gaskell. Chapter Nine. The Storm Spirit Subdued. Mrs. Hughes bustled about with many a sympathetic exclamation, now in pretty broken English, now in more fluent Welsh, which sounded as soft as Russian or Italian, in her musical voice. Mr. Benson, for that was the name of the hunchback, lay on the sofa thinking, while the tender Mrs. Hughes made every arrangement for his relief from pain. He had lodged with her for three successive years, and she knew and loved him. Ruth stood in the little bow-window, looking out, across the moon and over the deep blue heavens, large, torn, irregular-shaped clouds went hurrying, as if summoned by some storm spirit. The work they were commanded to do was not here. The mighty gathering place lay eastward, immeasurable leagues, and on they went, chasing each other over the silent earth, now black, now silver-white, at one transparent edge, now with the moon shining like hope through their darkest centre, now again with a silver lining, and now utterly black, they sailed lower in the lift and disappeared behind the immovable mountains. They were rushing in the very direction in which Ruth had striven and struggled to go that afternoon. They, in their wild career, would soon pass over the very spot where he, her world's he, was lying sleeping, or perhaps not sleeping, perhaps thinking of her. The storm was in her mind, and rent and tore her purposes into forms as wild and irregular as the heavenly shapes she was looking at. If, like them, she could pass the barrier horizon in the night, she might overtake him. Mr. Benson saw her look, and read it partially. He saw her longing gaze outwards upon the free, broad world, and thought that the siren waters, whose deadly music yet rang in his ears, were again tempting her. He called her to him, praying that his feeble voice might have power. "'My dear young lady, I have much to say to you, and God has taken my strength from me now when I most need. Oh, I sin to speak so, but for his sake I implore you to be patient here, if only till tomorrow morning.' He looked at her, but her face was immovable, and she did not speak. She could not give up her hope, her chance, her liberty, till to-morrow. "'God help me,' said he mournfully. "'My words do not touch her.' And, still holding her hand, he sank back on the pillows. Indeed, it was true that his words did not vibrate in her atmosphere. The storm-spirit raged there, and filled her heart with the thought that she was an outcast and the holy words, for his sake, were answered by the demon who held possession with a blasphemous defiance of the merciful God. What have I to do with thee? 
he thought of every softening influence of religion which over his own disciplined heart had power but put them aside as useless then the still small voice whispered and he spake in your mother's name whether she be dead or alive i command you to stay here until i am able to speak to you she knelt down at the foot of the sofa and shook it with her sobs her heart was touched and he hardly dared to speak again at length he said i know you will not go you could not for her sake you will not will you no whispered ruth and then there was a great blank in her heart she had given up her chance she was calm in the utter absence of all hope and now you will do what i tell you said he gently but unconsciously to himself in the tone of one who has found the hidden spell by which to rule spirits she slowly said yes but she was subdued he called mrs hughes she came from her adjoining shop you have a bedroom within yours where your daughter used to sleep i think i am sure you will oblige me and i shall consider it as a great favour if you will allow this young lady to sleep there to-night will you take her there now go my dear i have full trust in your promise not to leave until i can speak to you his voice died away to silence but as ruth rose from her knees at his bidding she looked at his face through her tears her lips were moving in earnest unspoken prayer and she knew it was for her that night although his pain was relieved by rest he could not sleep and as in fever the coming events kept unrolling themselves before him in every changing and fantastic form he met ruth in all possible places and ways and addressed her in every manner he could imagine most calculated to move and affect her to penitence and virtue toward morning he fell asleep but the same thoughts haunted his dreams he spoke but his voice refused to utter aloud and she fled relentless to the deep black pool but god works in his own way the visions melted into deep unconscious sleep he was awakened by a knock at the door which seemed a repetition of what he had heard in his last sleeping moments it was mrs hughes she stood at the first word of permission within the room please sir i think the young lady is very ill indeed sir perhaps you would come to her how is she ill said he much alarmed quite quiet like sir but i think she is dying that's all indeed sir go away i will be with you directly he replied his heart sinking within him in a very short time he was standing with mrs hughes by ruth's bedside she lay as still as if she were dead her eyes shut her wan face numbed into a fixed anguish of expression she did not speak when they spoke though after a while they thought she strove to do so but all power of motion and utterance had left her she was dressed in everything except her bonnet as she had been the day before although sweet thoughtful mrs hughes had provided her with night-gear which lay on the little chest of drawers that served as a dressing-table 
Mr. Benson lifted up her arm to feel her feeble, fluttering pulse, and when he let go her hand, it fell upon the bed in a dull, heavy way, as if she were already dead. "'You gave her some food?' said he anxiously to Mrs. Hughes. "'Indeed, and I offered her the best in the house, but she shook her poor pretty head, and only asked if I would please get her a cup of water. I brought her some milk, though. Indeed, I think she'd rather have had the water, but not to seem sour and cross, she took some milk.' By this time Mrs. Hughes was fairly crying. "'When does the doctor come up here?' "'Indeed, sir, and he's up nearly every day now. The inn is so full.' "'I'll go for him. And can you manage to undress her and lay her in bed?' Open the window, too, and let in the air. If her feet are cold, put bottles of hot water to them. It was a proof of the true love, which was the nature of both, that it never crossed their minds to regret that this poor young creature had been thus thrown upon their hands. On the contrary, Mrs. Hughes called it a blessing. It blesseth him that gives and him that takes. End of chapter 9